You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Oh, we are steamrolling ahead. Full throttle for week number five. Big battle taking place in the ACC. Number two, Clemson. Number 12, Virginia Tech. Doesn't get better than this. Rock and Rich Sermonello, another great slate of college football this coming Saturday. Yeah, and like it is every weekend, Joe, we have terrific games in every conference. Conference play is in full swing. And, and I'm interested in week five to take a look at some of those teams that we liked earlier in the month but took it on the chin. So the Vanderbilts, tough loss last week. Colorado loses big to Washington. I think these are still good football programs with bright futures in 2017, but they can't let last week's loss beat them twice. They have to bounce back this weekend, week five. Yeah, we'll see which teams bounce back this coming Saturday, today, a little bit later in about three hours from now. Sit back, relax. Rich and I have you covered for the next three hours, 9 to 12, 6 to 9 Pacific. At 1024 Eastern, we're going to be joined by former Penn State captain Lee Rubin. We'll get Lee's take about the mindset of Penn State coming off that emotional 21 to 19 victory over Iowa in Iowa City last week. They now go back home to face Big Ten opponent, Indiana. At 11.24, we'll be joined by former Virginia Tech quarterback Sean Glennon. We'll get Sean's take about what the Hokies and their quarterback Josh Jackson have to do to get the upset over second-ranked Clemson. And then our resident guru, Gabe Morenci from Gabe Time Decisions, will join us at 10.40, 7.40 Pacific, 11.40 Eastern, 8.40 Pacific as well to give us his best bets for the weekend. He's been red hot, but Rich, red hot in Pullman last night, yeah. number 16, Washington State, with the upset victory, 30-27 to over fifth-ranked USC. Unbelievable win by Mike Leach and, more importantly, Luke Falk last night. Yeah, and, and this was something for those who may have or, or did not hear us in the summer. This was something that we were pointing to as far back as July. We looked at the schedule thought that this could be a potential stumbling block for USC. It was. I worried about the inconsistency. Didn't know about the health issues, but now USC is banged up offensively. Toa Lobanon, their left tackle, did not play last night. But now you look at the Pac-12 in a very different light. I thought Washington would still be the team to beat, but now we look ahead to that Apple Cup in late November, you might have to add Washington State as a true contender for a Pac-12 title. I'm holding back, but you look at Sam Darnold last night, a critical turnover with about a minute 27 left in the game. Only passed for 164 yards through the air last night. But the more important thing was that USC over the last four weeks now has been living dangerously. They did get that blowout win, lackluster win over Western Michigan, another lackluster win against California. Finally caught up to them against a solid team in Washington. State, where they were able to rush the football for 120 yards on the ground. That was a key uh, matchup that you had to keep an eye out for last night in the Palouse. We're just getting started. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the top 25 matchups. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonella, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? 
Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock daily fantasy sports. On college football today, Joe Lisi, Rich Terminello going to dive right into the big battle later tonight in Blacksburg. Number two, Clemson. Number 12, Virginia Tech. Doesn't get better than this. You look at Clemson last week coming off a disappointing lackluster 34-7 to win over Boston College, but that game was 14-7 to with about five minutes left in uh, the fourth quarter, Rich. You look at Virginia Tech, they dominated Old Dominion, expecting Clemson on deck. It's a rematch last year's ACC championship game. Clemson did get the victory 42-35, to but this is an intriguing battle. Two top-flight defenses yeah. later tonight in Blacksburg. I mean, it's a great setting. If you like college football, if you don't like college football, I would say you have to tune into this game because Blacksburg at night, I'm used to Blacksburg at night on a Thursday night, right? We've grown accustomed to that over the years in terms of electrified atmosphere, Lane Stadium, a crowd that is just off the hook with enthusiasm. I think this is the biggest game for this community and this program in at least the last decade, Joe, because now you have the defending national champs, one of the top two teams in the country, Virginia Tech under Justin Fuente, young quarterback Josh Jackson with an opportunity, much like Washington State did last night, to kind of flip the script in the conference a little bit now, be more than just a coastal division contender, upset Clemson tonight, and then you're talking about the Hokies as a possible contender for an ACC title. Well, if this game doesn't get you amped just from the start, Don't when watch. they start playing Enter Sandman, You're when the Hokies come running fan. out onto the field, yeah. I want to run out there with them, but let's talk about the quarterback situation. You have Kelly Bryant playing very well this year in the system. I mean, he's completing 67% of his passes, over 800 yards, two touchdowns, only three interceptions, has made more plays with his feet. This is an offense in Clemson that's averaging 272 rushing yards on the ground, passing for 232 through the air. And you look at Virginia Tech, a balanced offensive attack that's rushing for 218 yards on the ground, passing for 289 through the air with their quarterback, Josh Jackson, who's looked very well in the system. He's completed 65% of his passes, 11 touchdowns, one interception, But that hasn't week, been tested. Hasn't been well. West Virginia week one, but this is defensively. The biggest. I look, it, listen, it, that, that that opener was a test for Virginia Tech as a whole. I like the West Virginia program. Can't wait till next week's game with TCU. Not to uh, jump ahead, you're too jumping much. ahead on. I us am here. jumping ahead, but <laughs> but I, I love Will Greer, Dana Holgerson. That program. it's a good win. It's a quality win. But it's not a quality effort versus that Virginia, West Virginia defense. Rightfully yeah, so. I they're going to get that. tested tonight, obviously, against Clemson. It goes without saying that this is the best defense that Josh Jackson has seen and might see all season long. And, and what I've learned over the years is, is not to doubt Dabo Sweeney, not to doubt Clemson. You can go poor betting against Clemson in big games. I mean, they love this setting. We saw it earlier this year. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect from Kelly Bryant, but we didn't know what to expect from Clemson against Louisville. Maybe that was a dangerous trap game, having to go to Papa John's. 
Yeah, they faced Auburn. Maybe Auburn is the, the next best thing to Alabama. They won both of those games. I won't say convincingly against Auburn. It was 14-6, to but that was a game where they had 11 sacks. So Virginia Tech is getting better on the offensive line. They have a couple of next-level blockers in Wyatt Teller and Yasua Nijman. But I think this is where Josh Jackson has a problem. He hasn't faced the kind of pressure that he's going to see against Clemson, the different schemes that Brent Venables will roll against him. I think this could be a close game because I'm not that confident about the Clemson offense at this point. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, granted, all the points that you said, I mean, I think the matchup that you want to see play out in this ball game is the offensive line of Clemson that's been a little lackluster so far, allowed 10 sacks through four games, going up against the front seven of Virginia Tech and Bud Foster that likes to utilize blitz Do packages. Do you love that front seven, though? I mean, I mean, I think the Well, they're only, giving up, they're only giving up 108 rushing yards on right. the ground. The way you have to attack Virginia Tech is over the top. They're allowing 203 passing yards per game. And when you look at the offense for Clemson right now, Kelly Bryant struggled in terms of stretching teams vertically, even though the completion percentage is there. He's really dominated on the ground, only two passing touchdowns. Now when you look at the flip side, you look at Virginia Tech's defense, especially in third down conversions. They're holding opposing offenses to 24% on third down conversions. That's a great statistic. Clemson's holding opposing offenses to 28%, but the offense is converting 52% of the time. So whichever team can win third down, for me, is going to win this ball game and one player that really stepped up that we were a uh, sort of like uh, can he do it this year after Isaiah Ford's yeah. departure is Cam Phillips the wide receiver for no Virginia doubt. Tech team leading 34 yeah. receptions 523 yards five touchdowns his play will be critical later tonight yeah, I mean, he's going to have to be the the weapon that Virginia Tech needs. I'm not that confident about the ground game of Virginia Tech against the Clemson front. Uh, you know, Trayvon McMillan, decent back. Josh Jackson can do some things with his feet. But I think it's really incumbent upon Cam Phillips, who has been fantastic. Five touchdown catches already uh, in the month of September. He's the kind of player that needs to challenge a Clemson secondary that's good, but is not that experienced. Year after year, there's a lot of turnover in that Clemson secondary. They lose players to the NFL last year. No, no difference. So, you know, I'm very curious what we'll see. For Josh Jackson has a bright future. He's with Justin Fuente, the head coach, does a great job with quarterbacks. He's only a redshirt freshman. He's the son of a football coach, Fred Jackson, who spent a number of years coaching running backs at the University of Michigan. But I think when push comes to the job, I expect this to be a close game in the first half. Clemson has been here before. They know about these moments. They won a national championship. They've played two good, solid, ranked opponents already this year. I don't know if Virginia Tech can get to that next level and knock out the champion. I don't know if they have a knockout punch at this point. I think they're, they're in the mix with Miami and the Coastal. But I don't know if they're ready to challenge Clemson tonight. Well, I would agree with that. I mean, I think at the start of the year, I told you as well, I thought Clemson was one of the top four teams in the country, and they're playing like it, not just offensively, but defensively as well. And when you look at their offense, I think Kelly Bryan has more playmakers around him. He's got Ray Ray McLeod. He's got Hunter Renfro. He has the running backs of Feaster now, Fuller, and he also has Etnin that has stepped up and made big plays. So the supporting cast is much better when you look at uh, Clemson over 
overall. And then you look at Virginia Tech with Trayvon McMillan only rushing for 166 yards entering this ball game. Josh Jackson's been a one man show. I mean, 1127 passing yards, 144 rushing yards. Here's a cause of concern, maybe outside this game though, Rich, for Clemson, because I'm in agreement with you. I think it could be close early. The atmosphere, Kelly Bryant will have to make some plays, but I still feel Clemson is battle tested enough to win this ball game. I want to say in the area of about 10 to 13 points. I'm with you. Yeah. But when you look at this team overall, the one MO for Clemson that, that I don't like, and it's unbelievable when you think about it, over the last three years, this team is negative in turnover margin. Minimal, minus two, minus one. This year, they're minus two heading into this ballgame. That's good teams usually don't do that. And, and to overcome that and win a national championship the way they did last year and still be the second ranked team in the nation really shows the athleticism that this team has to overcome that. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to personnel. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, normally when, when you're losing the turnover battle, you're a middling team at best. You're a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five type of a team. But they have so many good athletes, such an advantage in size and speed over most of their opponents that they could still be a minus one, minus two in a particular game and be victorious. Now, tonight could be a different story. I don't think that they can play with fire against Virginia Tech in that kind of a setting. If Kelly Bryan is turning the ball over, if Josh Jackson is playing a clean game, if they're minus two against Virginia Tech, then I think this is a ball game for all 60 minutes with a possibility the Hokies pulling the upset. If they're even in turnover margin, just in terms of personnel, there aren't enough players that jump off the page for me at Virginia Tech. Again, I really like what I've seen from Josh Jackson. Don't know if he's ready for this kind of a setting. As I watch him on film, Joe, I don't know yet. Again, just a redshirt freshman. I don't want to be unfair. I don't know if he has next-level measurables. I don't know if he has next-level arm talent. I don't know if his ability to make those throws alone are enough to defeat that Clemson defense. That is my concern. Again, I predict this to be close in the first half, Virginia Tech to be competitive, but then the cream rises to the top. I'm with you. I, I say about 10 to 13 point victory for Clemson. And they're going to need Josh Jackson's legs to take the pressure off the passing yeah. game because if they're put in third down and long situations, I think Virginia Tech loses that type of battle. I, I think special teams could be a factor in this ballgame. And I think it's in critical for Virginia Tech to score first, playing at home, get the crowd involved, put the pressure on Kelly Bryan in that offense to make plays. Now, when you look at Clemson's defense, they've already faced Lamar Jackson. They faced Jared. Stidham. So now a younger quarterback right. Josh Jackson that is athletic. This isn't something that they haven't it's seen a great before. Point. So I expect them to be in this ballgame and keep him in the pocket. But if you're Justin Fuente, I think you want to utilize read option to get ball control attacks. I don't think you want to get into a shootout with Clemson in this ballgame. Can't game. get into a shootout. Can't get into third and long situations. If the Clemson front is pinning its ears back, I mean, it could be lights out at Lane Stadium. Yeah, Rich and I both like Clemson in this ballgame. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Georgia and Tennessee and Neyland Stadium. Keep it where it is. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Battle taking place later today in the Newman Stadium, number seven, Georgia, Tennessee, and Butch Jones. They're coming off a disappointing home win over Andrew Ford and UMass, 17 to 13. But Tennessee has won the last two games over Georgia by a total of 10 points. Rich, I'm a Georgia fan, and I'm going to say it right now this game scares me. I think Tennessee will be in this ballgame from start to finish. Yeah, I, I I understand. I, I get the mindset of Joe Lisi very well at this point. I, I Joe's worried that rivalry game on the road, Tennessee back against the wall, Butch Jones, hot seat, Georgia coming off a big victory. Psychologically, I get it. I know exactly where you're going with this. And I can understand the trepidation. If you're a Georgia guy, you know you don't want to be too loose. You don't want to overlook a, a, an opponent that's that's wounded right now. But I don't want to get too cute in this evaluation. I love Georgia. I mean, I've seen You're enough. You're scaring me, Richie. See. Seen, well, I shouldn't scare you. I, I, I've been pretty good on, on the SEC pick so far this year. But Georgia right now is impressing the heck out of me. I, I mean, they're clearly, in my opinion, the second best team in the SEC. Love what they did last week against Mississippi State. And I liked Mississippi State a lot in that game. I was dead wrong. I thought that would have been competitive. Georgia right now, they've got the young quarterback and Jake Fromm gaining confidence. You have that running back triplets now. And they now have three running backs that are capable of carrying the load, led by Nick Chubb, against a Tennessee defense allowing close to five yards a carry. The one player that stood out for me in Knoxville so far this year is John Kelly. John Kelly, a legit feature back for Tennessee. He's done a nice job of replacing Alvin Kamara and Jalen Hurd. But one player alone will not be enough against this Georgia defense. They're so fast. They get to the ball so quickly. They're beginning to look like an Alabama-type defense. One more thing before I hand the mic over to you. The rotation, Joe, is so deep. They're so fresh when you get to the second half. I understand the nervousness regarding Georgia. I get it. But in terms of talent right now, I, I, I think Georgia wins going away in this ballgame. Well, here's the thing. Just get through this game, Georgia. That's the M.O. for Jake Fromm and the crew. I, I mean, when I look at this ball game, a couple of factors stand out. Now, they're coming off a dominating rushing performance, 203 rushing yards last week between the hedges over Mississippi State. Mississippi State's only allowing 126 rushing yards entering their game later today against Auburn. But this is an offense by Georgia that's pounding the rock for 223 on the ground, but only passing for about 166 yards through the air. Jake Fromm has looked very good, completed 62% of his passes, seven touchdowns, one interception. You look at the defense, like you mentioned, very solid in run support. They're holding opposing offenses to 97 rushing yards per game, and the secondary is very impressive, only allowing 172 passing yards through the air. But here's the MO that I look at when I break down Tennessee. They're giving up 242 rushing yards to opposing offenses, but over the last three weeks, Rich, they gave up 500 that week one performance against Georgia Tech. Since that time, playing very well, only 122 rushing yards, 168 and 144. Now, granted, UMass 
and Florida aren't prolific rushing attacks like Georgia, but the strength of Tennessee is their secondary. They're holding opposing offenses to 140 passing yards per game. They're going to stack the box and force Jake Fromm to beat them over the top, and that's the matchup that I'm afraid of going on the road to Knoxville. I think it's going to be a close game because of that fact. I, do you think there's a risk of the upset in this I game? Hate I hate to mean, say it. I think, yeah. I think this is a four-quarter game. Okay. Now, I hope it's not. I hope Georgia steps out there. And I agree with you. I think the one thing that Kirby Smart has done, he's built this defense inside out from the defensive tackles to the defensive ends, and they can run sideline to sideline. And, and I agree with you. X factor today for Tennessee is John Kelly. As he goes, so does that offense. Yeah, and I, I think it's asking a lot. I really have fallen in love with John Kelly through the first month of the season. Watched him a little bit last year, but he was a he was a third stringer until Jalen Hurd left the program. So really didn't get a, a, a enough of a chance until late in the season to to watch him and analyze his play. But one player alone, I think if this was a different opponent, a different defense, I would say Kelly might be able to carry the offense. Quentin Dormandy, you know, is an okay quarterback right now, not getting great protection. Offensive line is doing a good job in in uh, in the ground game, not not so much in pass protection. And the other concern that I have is the receivers. Without Jawan Jennings, not a lot of receivers are going to frighten opponents on the Georgia side of the football. Lorenzo Carter, David Bellamy on the outside. Quinton Dormady's not a, a mobile quarterback. I think Bellamy and Carter can pressure the pocket, force Dormady into mistakes. Again, I get it. I mean, it's it's a little concerning for me to take a team coming off a big win, going on the road, rivalry opponent. All of the things that I mentioned concern me. But when I break this game down, man for man, I just think Georgia is playing significantly better. I'll throw DeAndre Swift into the mix with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, and you know Jake Fromm has has managed well at this point. I don't know what's going to happen once Jacob Eason is healthy. That's a discussion for a different day. But Jake Fromm has taken care of business. And I think the the staff has put him in a in a position to succeed. They haven't asked him to do too much. Didn't have to do too much last week because they jumped out on Mississippi State so early. So Tennessee is struggling. You know, maybe they they put a good performance out for two or three quarters. But I I think at the end of the day, the Georgia talent. You know, and you mentioned inside too, Roquan Smith at linebacker, Trenton Thompson at the line of scrimmage, just significantly better than Tennessee. This is one of my best bets of the Ugh, day. I really like Georgia in a double-digit victory. I know because you were off them last week, and I, they impressed you. They impressed you. But I, I'll yes. tell you what I would impress me last week in the victory over Miss State was Corey Allen came on the show and talked about the tight ends, and they were utilized in that victory no, last had week. A yeah. So, so uh, that's a key matchup you want to see play out a little bit later. And Terry. Godwin looks like an elite wide receiver now. He has athleticism. He's starting to get more involved in the offense. He's a playmaker as they navigate through the SEC East that you have to keep an eye out on because if he can become the deep threat for that offense, that'll open up the short to intermediate passing game for those tight ends and Sony Michelle. And that's the matchup that you want to see play out. But here's the thing that we talked about with Butch Jones. I, I, I look at it like... You're out in in the alley, and you see that stray dog, and he's hungry, and he's beaten up, and you don't want to go too close to him because of the bark. He might bite. He might bite. You never know. It's a, he's on his last leg before he goes out to pasture there. And I hate to say that, but if Tennessee loses this game, now the pressure mounts, and you look at that lackluster effort over UMass. 
you can make the argument were they looking ahead to Georgia, right. but if, if they come out flat today, I think Butch Jones is really going to feel the pressure later in Knoxville. I, I love how this episode of College Football Today has devolved into an episode of Pitbulls and Parolees. <laughs> I, I, I love how <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, Lobos but, but, is... I'm just throwing it no, out there. I, 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 I like the analogy, and I like the metaphor, and, and I agree with you. Listen, would I be stunned if Tennessee put a good effort out? No. I, I mean, I don't think you know Tennessee has talent. Tennessee has SEC talent, but they're going to have to jump out quickly. They're going to have to be in this game early. I think if Georgia score, uh, scores 10, 14 points in the first quarter, you know, I love the flea flicker. I love the play call last week against Mississippi State early. Godwin was was running free in the secondary. They jumped out early. If, if Georgia jumps out early, I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee basically pulls the ripcord, and, and and that's it. I mean, I, I can't see them putting up a fight if they're down early in this game, and Georgia winning going away, and then we really turn the discussion to who is the next coach at Tennessee, because this is not working for Butch Jones. These are not all under Butch Jones's watch, but, but Tennessee, think about this statistic, just the state of the program. You know, good program, average program. Tennessee expects SEC titles, at least SEC East titles, in their last 26 games against top 10 opponents. Georgia is a top 10 opponent. Tennessee has not beaten a top 10 team since 2006, which is a remarkable depiction of how far how far this uh, program has fallen off. But they have three nine and four seasons that everybody likes to hang their hats on. I mean, and that's what we talked about in the yeah. offseason yeah. about Butch Jones. I mean, when is enough enough when you draw the line in the sand and you say uh, they have to win the title? They had 17 returning starters last year. Everybody picked Tennessee to win the SEC East and Florida won it yet again. Mm. Again now, they already have one loss within the conference. If they lose to Georgia today. I mean, you're looking at a possible 500 team within the SEC East. That's unacceptable when you see teams like Kentucky doing better in South Carolina with Will Muschamp, up-and-comers with solid quarterback play. I mean, he is legitimately on the hot seat entering this ballgame. Yeah, do you have any names? I, I don't at this point, but do you have any names that would come to mind? Would it Would it be a hot coordinator? Would it be you know, a young head coach. How about someone like a like a Mike Norvell at Memphis? You know, coming know across state too early. Yeah, too I early? just equate that to like a Derek Dooley hire. Yeah. you know, yeah. with that, that, like you need a splash at Tennessee. You need a hot coordinator. How about a Jeremy Pruitt? I mean, a, a young yeah. defensive-minded coordinator that brings back a physicality. Now, I don't know if Pruitt would leave Alabama, but he has to be possibly one of the hottest hires in college football because you look at his uh, tenure there at Florida State when they won a national championship, brought great success to Georgia, and leads now a top-ranked Alabama defense. He would be a guy that I would consider for Knoxville. But again, it does come back to the board and who they want. Do they want a Tennessee? guy, but I could see a, guy, a young guy like Jeremy Pruitt taking that job. Well, it, it, the one thing they're going to look for if they replace Butch Jones, and barring a turnaround, I, I think this could be the beginning of the end. I, I think if it's another mediocre season, if you're looking at seven, eight wins, third place, and, and what happens if they fall behind Vanderbilt within the state? I mean, because Vandy is beginning to pick up ground. They'll play again at the end of the season. What happens if they slip below the Commodores? The one thing you need for a Tennessee head coach beyond everything else is the ability to recruit, because your home base does not have a lot of four- and five-star talent, so you got to be able to go to other states 
to get blue chippers. And they lost to Vanderbilt last year by 11 points, 45-34. to 34. Vandy playing much better under Derek Mason. When we come back, we'll be talking about Vanderbilt. They're on the road in the swamp in Gainesville. We'll be breaking that down next. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hello, friends. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the DraftKings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell them Greg Sussman sent you. Taking place 12 o'clock in Gainesville. It's Vanderbilt and Derek Mason on the road, fresh off their dominating loss to the hands of Alabama. 59 to nothing. Florida did continue the string over Kentucky. 31 straight games. A come from behind 28 to 27 win in Lexington. Rich Luke Del Rio named the starter. I'm rolling the dice. I love Florida today. I it's one it. of my better games of the day. I think the, the Gators dominate this matchup. Let me just say that Florida is 4-1 over the last five games and have won those games by 11.7 points per game. Last two games have been decided by a total of nine points. But in last year's game, 13-6 to in Nashville, Luke Del Rio did not play... I love Florida later today. Joe has uh, Joe. I, I think you're representing Luke Del Rio. I, I, I think the should NCAA, be his agent. The NCAA should get involved. I think Luke has already hired an agent, and it's Joe Lisi. It's our own Joe Lisi because Joe has been pitching Luke Del Rio like a sideshow freak for the past. You three called months. him a graduate assistant, by the way. <laughs> In the you did. did you I called, call him, you called him a graduate he's assistant. A, he's just going to be a GA. He's say. he's a would be. He's a soon to be graduate assistant. Luke Del, Luke Del Rio will make a great coach someday. I like his dad. I, I think Luke will make a good coach, but he is a backup quarterback. I mean, you're you're. I knew as soon as. Jim McElwain said Luke Del Rio is getting the start. I knew Lisi was like, that's my best bet of the week. I knew it. It it didn't matter if they were playing the New England Patriots this week. Joe was taking Florida and Luke Del Rio. Luke Del Rio, by the way, career statistics, nine touchdown passes, nine interceptions, and a completion percentage of 57%. So, you know, we're not talking about Peyton Manning here in the SEC. I look at the things that matter, the stats that matter. His ability to Five and one as a starting quarterback in 2016. They're they're laying 10 points in this game. That's why I love Vanderbilt, by the way. Vanderbilt is going to be in this game throughout. This is one of my best bets. This this might be my best bet of the day because these are very similar football teams. They are. They are. Both will play great defense. I, listen, I, I watched, obviously, the Alabama game last week. It was a demolition. Last week was more about Alabama wanting to prove a point than Vanderbilt being overrated. Vanderbilt is still the Vanderbilt team it was a couple of weeks ago when they beat Kansas State. They're not sexy. They're not flashy. But they play fantastic defense. They'll have no problem continuing to play fantastic defense against Florida today because Luke Del Rio cannot stretch a defense. All of that talent and speed on the Vanderbilt D will realize that they can press up. We can press up the safeties. We can press up the linebackers. Joe Williams out of the secondary. 
Oren Brooks at linebacker. These guys will play closer to the line of scrimmage. I think this is a low-scoring, special teams-type game. Kyle Shermer, I think, is the better quarterback in this game. Now, Vanderbilt, I have some concerns. Offensive line has not played well in the last two weeks. They have to find a way. We've talked about it the last two games, Kansas State game and Alabama. They have to find a way to create daylight for Ralph Webb and Carrie Blassing game. They're two running backs. They haven't done it. So I think Vandy will have trouble scoring, but I think Florida will too. This is like the past few games. I think this is something like a 1916 game, and in a game like that, you're giving me 10 points. It's an easy victory. Calm down, Counselor. You're I'm very hot. excited. I am hot about Sermon this game. hot on Vanderbilt. Well, let's talk about Vandy. A couple of factors that that stick out for me about this matchup. I, to me, I think Vanderbilt is and could be a worn-out football team. Two weeks ago, they played a physical Kansas State team. We were on Vanderbilt in that matchup. They allowed 201 rushing yards on the ground. Last week against Alabama, they allowed 496 rushing yards to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Back-to-back physical games. They go on the road in the swamp to face another physical team in Florida, especially on the offense and defensive lines. I look at Florida I, I look at that victory last week, and I think I'm the only one that was impressed with the way Florida played. They did rush for 186 yards on the ground in Lexington, their first two rushing touchdowns over the last nine games. That was a, a Kentucky defense that entering that ball game was allowing 57 rushing yards on the ground. I look at Vanderbilt last week against Alabama, one of 10 on third down conversions. I look at Florida's defense. They're still holding opposing quarterbacks to 55% completion percentage, 29% on third downs, and have created five interceptions through the first four games. Rich, for me, I like Florida here. I think they're playing at home. I think they start fast, continue the momentum, and for me, I still think, call it what it is, Luke Del Rio is a winner. He has this team behind him, and when you have a leader like Luke Del Rio, he'll get the most out of this team. They win this ballgame by 17 points or more later today. The one thing we do agree on, I was impressed by, by Florida's victory last week because I had Kentucky winning that ball game. I think we got we the, we got the cover, mean, yeah, though. Didn't we get the cover on that like game? Two and a half, yeah, I, I think we got the cover. I, I was impressed to go into Lexington. Kentucky wanted to obviously break that 30-game winning streak. Everything pointed towards Florida. What impresses me about Florida is they find a way. I and mean, that's, for that's goodness a sake. great MO oh, for a team. absolutely. They find a way. They found a way against Tennessee on the Hail Mary from Felipe Franks. Found a way last week with, you know, with some help from a Kentucky offense of linemen with a, an inopportune holding sure. penalty late in the game that uh, you know pushed a field goal back. So Florida finds a way. I just think, and, and they might find a way today. I think it's just too many points. Um, I, I, I think this is a close game. It's a, it's a great opportunity to take those points into the fourth quarter, realizing that this game can go either way. I believe in Vanderbilt. I still think Vanderbilt is a bowl team. Vanderbilt is like a 7-5 and five team. Derek Mason has them heading in the right direction. Uh, by Sunday morning, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're going to be on GoDaddy.com with the Luke Del Rio for Heisman. Luke Del Rio.com. Luke Del Rio for I'll be Heisman. on there. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of us will be smiling on Sunday morning, or we'll be smiling at it around 3.30, 4 o'clock after the game ends. We might have to bet a cup of coffee on that ball game. But Rich likes Vanderbilt. I like Florida in that matchup. I believe it's a 12-20 kick. Keep an eye out. I think the game is on ESPN later today. Another 12 o'clock kick is Northwestern Wisconsin 
Both teams have split the last four meetings. Uh, Wisconsin's won their two games by 21 and a half points per game. Northwestern has won theirs by a total of 12 points or six points per game. I look at this ball game right now, Rich. I, I, to me, it leans towards Northwestern. I think they're the more complete team offensively, believe it or not. Now, Hornibrook did set a Wisconsin record, 18 of 19 completions against BYU, 19, uh, 94%. But I still like Clayton Thorson and Justin Jackson here. I, I'm calling for the upset, wow. 24 to 20 over uh, Wisconsin later today. We, we both like Northwestern to cover. I, I, I think at 14, north of two touchdowns, I think it's about 14 and a half right, right now, I, I think is a, is a steep number. But I, I'm not as confident as you are by any stretch. I saw that game between Northwestern and Duke, saw some flaws on the Northwestern defense that concerns me. Uh, Justin Jackson has not been the Justin Jackson we've seen over the past three seasons, at least not as of yet. And and I have to sing the praises of Wisconsin. I, I mean, Paul Christ, this program does a remarkable job without a lot of big-time talent. They're doing it again this year. They had some losses, graduations, injuries. Jack Cicci, the linebacker, out for the season. I mean, they, they've had some really tough losses, and yet they're such a stingy unit against the run, against the pass, one touchdown pass allowed so far this season, five picks doing a great job against the run. They have a true freshman running back in Jonathan Taylor to complement the passing of Alex Hornibrook. I think Wisconsin is sort of lying in the weeds a little bit in terms of Big Ten contention. I think they have a legitimate shot of getting to the Big Ten title game, particularly if they win this game out of the West Division, West Division rivalry with Northwestern. I think they have a shot to actually go out and beat a Penn State or Ohio State in a Big Ten title game. I think Wisconsin is that good and that well coached. The only reason why I like Northwestern, I'm not ready to bail on the Wildcats. Both teams have had a couple of weeks to regroup. I like the talent at Northwestern. You mentioned offensively with Thorson, Justin Jackson out of the backfield. Defensively, a very good secondary. So I think Alex Hornerbrook will be challenged by the likes of Godwin Igwebuike. Uh, Kyle Kiro, you know, so they they have some real talent on the back end. I think this will be competitive, but I'm telling you, folks, watch Wisconsin. This is a complete football team. This is a potential playoff football team. I would be very surprised if they don't hold serve in Madison. Yeah, I have them as the second best team in their conference. I did pick Northwestern to win their half of the division at the start of the year. They've looked lackluster. They haven't played well. They look terrible against Duke. Look lackluster against Nevada, but they picked it up against Bowling Green, and that's where I want to talk. When you look at Clayton Thorson's play in that ballgame, he passed for 370 yards, but they got him involved in the read option, and when you look at Wisconsin's struggles last year, especially in the Big Ten Championship game with the mobility of Trace McSorley, that can be a cause of concern heading into this matchup. Now, when you look at Wisconsin's victories this year over BYU, FAU, and Utah State, those teams are a combined 4-9 and nine overall. So, yes, they've dominated that competition, but we've seen that competition play out now, lackluster, mediocre competition. And now with both teams having a week to prepare – I give the edge to Pat Fitzgerald. It's a, a sort of a rivalry game for the most part. And I, I, I really, Northwestern to me has nothing to lose. And I do feel they have the better quarterback, even though Hornibrook is playing much better. I still think Clayton Thorson is one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten. 
Does he have enough support at wide receiver? I mean, that, that was one of my concerns heading into this season. I, I like Thorson. I've talked to NFL scouts that believe he'll be playing on Sundays. He has that kind of physical and mental acumen to be an NFL quarterback. But after losing Austin Carr, I'm not sure. We talked a little bit about Tennessee concerns at wide receiver. Northwestern and the ability to, to get separation, to give Clayton Thorson open targets against a very good secondary of Wisconsin. That's a concern of mine heading into today. And, and turnovers as well. Uh, you look at Northwestern in that loss to Duke. They lost a turnover battle. Turnovers will be critical for the Wildcats if they're going to be in this ballgame from start to finish. I, I think if they allow Wisconsin to jump up at home and fall behind by 10, 13 points, that could be a long day. You want to get the rushing attack of Justin Jackson involved in the offense. He's only averaging around four and a half yards per carry last year he led the big 10 with over 1500 rushing yards last year in 2016 rich likes you like northwestern i like northwestern as well when we come back we'll be talking iowa michigan state joe lisi rich sermonello live from studio 34 fantasy sports radio network Hey, this is Greg Sussman from the Roto Experts in the Morning, and, and listen, we can all use a little help sometimes. That's why I talk to three guys every single day that help me with my fantasy teams. But if you need help with your fantasy teams, and you probably do, you should purchase the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football In-Season Package, featuring weekly lineup ranks, chats with our experts every single day, and player cards for every player in the NFL, including reports from InsideInjuries.com. You cannot beat it. Don't set your lineups without checking the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge In-Season Package. Going to give our best picks for the early part of the day. We were already breaking down Florida and Vanderbilt. We're bucking heads. I like Florida. Rich is all over Kyle Shermer and the Vanderbilt Commodores, plus the 10 points, Rich. Going to be a blowout later today. Both quarterbacks have NFL connections, right? <laughs> Kyle Shermer's dad, yep. Pat Shermer, and uh, Luke Del, Luke Del, Rio Del Rio with the Raiders. Jack, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it about is that. a 12 o'clock. Totally kick. irrelevant to the tw- discussion. <laughs> it is a 12 o'clock kick uh, uh, on ESPN, not 12:20. It is a 12 o'clock kick. Check it out a little bit later. Another game that we haven't talked about that is a best bet of mine a little bit later today is Baylor. We'll get into it in Zach Smith. I really like the way they played last week over Oklahoma. Uh, he completed 66% of his passes, 463 uh, passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. They've won, Baylor has, for the last five over Kansas State by 16 points per game. To me, that's the difference. I like Baylor to get the, the, get the outright victory over Kansas State and uh, Bill Snyder. Joe, later you today. never pass on an opportunity to take a swipe <laughs> at old Bill Snyder, right? I I'm mean, not I, sold I, on yeah. Kansas State. I, I said it before. Kansas State won nine games last year in 2016, eight against FBS opponents with a combined overall record of 39 and 60. I think they struggle with speed teams. Now, granted, if they can run the football, they'll win this ball game. But I'm banking on Zach Smith. He played well last year. It was his first start. They lost that game against Kansas State, 41-21. But I like the way Baylor played against a solid Oklahoma defense last week. I, I, the the storyline for me in this game is is who really can build off of the last game. I mean, Baylor played very well, right. surprisingly well against Oklahoma. If they can double that up, if they can parlay that into a good effort, even if it's not a victory against Kansas State, 
Yeah, this might be a more palatable second half of the season for Matt Rule and Waco. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. I think when you look at Matt Rule, I think the kids are buying into the program. I don't expect them to quit after that loss last week, 49-41 to over Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield. They did have an opportunity to tie that ball game up, recovered an onside kick before Oklahoma caused a turnover and uh, sealed that victory in Waco. Rich is all over Georgia. I'm a Georgia fan. I think this game is going to be a lot closer closer than people think. It's not a best pick of mine, but I expect Tennessee to be in this game from start to finish. Yeah, I, I like Georgia. I'm just looking purely at talent, personnel. I think Tennessee is heading south. I think Georgia is heading north. I think they'll continue to get better as Jake Fromm gets more comfortable in the saddle, and I love that defense of what uh, against what is really becoming a, a one-dimensional Tennessee offense. Big Ten battle, we spoke about it. Wisconsin, Northwestern. Rich, you like Northwestern. I do as well, but it's one of my best picks. I'm picking them to get the outright victory over uh, the Badgers later today in Madison. 24-20, offensive balance. Look for Justin Jackson to break out a little bit later I'd today. I'd be very surprised if Wisconsin lose this game. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of fear in taking Northwestern, even with 14 and a half, so that'll tell you how I feel about Wisconsin. But I'm not ready to jump ship on the Wildcats. I like their talent. I, I think this is maybe a 12. I might I might escape with a victory with North <laughs> Northwestern, but but again, I, Wisconsin wins this game. They're just too good on both sides of the ball. Another Big Ten battle we're going to get into it in next segment is Iowa and Michigan State. Iowa, are they reeling or are they focused on the road in East Lansing later today? It's a best pick of yours. I sort of lean towards Michigan State in this battle. Yeah, I, I won't give too much. We're going to go into greater depth in the next segment, but I, I like Iowa. I, I think there's the possibility of the let down after the tough loss against Penn State, but I saw things on defense from Iowa that I think will bode very well for this program down the road. A game that I'm interested in, and we'll break down, uh, we, we'll talk about it in terms of a pick segment. I like Georgia Tech today over North Carolina. You look at Georgia Tech, they're averaging 393 rushing yards on the ground. You look at North Carolina giving up 176 rushing yards to opposing offenses. Keep an eye out for Georgia Tech. When we come back, we'll be breaking down all the top 25 battles. Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 